Good evening. Good to see everyone tonight. Thankful you're here again this evening as we study again together from God's Word. We have several of those who are at camp with us this past weekend uh, back tonight. We're glad that they're here. Some of them look like they're about ready for some sleep, but uh, hopefully they won't be doing that while I am preaching. Uh, We started out this morning and... uh, uh, Brooks, uh, Raymond and June's little grandson came up to me and he stretched real big. He said, I just woke up from a nap. I said, did you sleep through my sermon? He said, yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> We're glad again that you're here tonight. You know, I don't know what they've done. Really and truly, I don't. It may have been that they had uh, uh, said some bad things. Maybe they said to someone that they loved, I hate you. Uh, And and perhaps that person, that was the last words they heard from them. And so they have a hard time. It may have been that they had done something wrong. It may have been that they cheated on a spouse. It may have been that they uh, stole something from someone or or cheated them in some way. I really don't know what they had done. It may have just been that they had thought some bad thoughts. Again, I don't know what they had done, but what I do know is that there are a number of people who are bearing a common burden, and that burden that they're bearing is being able to forgive themselves. Forgiving ourselves is probably one of the hardest things sometimes that we are attempting to do, but it's something that I believe is necessary, not only for our own mental stability, but but to have the fullness of life that the Lord wants us to have. But there are a lot of people who are carrying around, it seems, some of that phantom pain. Now, I don't know if you've talked to persons, people who have had a limb amputated or not, but I've talked to some who have told me that that it's as though, even though the limb has been amputated, it's gone. It's as though they can continue to feel it just like it was still there. And, you know, they know that it's not, but they also know that they have that, that, that reality, at least in their own mind, that it is still there. Well, there are some people who have been forgiven by God. They have done the things that God has required of them, but they still feel as though that sin is pressing down upon them. They're having a hard time not in getting forgiveness from God, but in getting forgiveness from themselves. They just keep beating themselves up because perhaps they've disappointed others or disappointed themselves or they just feel ashamed because of what they had done. And we may feel as though that because of the things we've done that we're sometimes just unworthy, unworthy to be forgiven by God or by anybody. And so it's a real, real struggle. Now let me ask you tonight, would it be fair to say that Peter really messed up? Remember he said that, uh, Lord, it doesn't make any difference what you do. If they they come after you, I've got a sword, we'll we'll fight. Peter did pull out his sword, he cut off Malchus' ear, and the Lord told him to put his sword up, and the Lord put Malchus' ear back on. But, But we know that he messed up because it wasn't all that long before he was standing beside a fire outside where Jesus was being held, and someone asked him, well, aren't you one of them? Didn't you come here with him? And he said no. And he, he eventually, as you know the story, denied Jesus three times, even with a curse. And so 
Jesus had foretold that. Peter said, I won't do that. But we know, we know Peter actually did that. We know that. The Bible says when he did that, he went out and wept. But, but I want you to think about a, another thing about Peter. It wasn't all that many days until Jesus and Peter have another encounter. Jesus has been resurrected from the dead. If you have your Bible, you may turn to the book of John, chapter number 21. In John chapter 21, we have Jesus coming out on the beach. Now, you may remember that Peter and some of the others said uh, after Jesus' death that I'm going fishing. And that didn't mean that they needed a little time off and recreation. That meant that they were going back to their regular job of fishing. And, and so on this morning, they were out there fishing, and, and there's this man standing out here on the beach. And he calls out and says, Have you got any fish? And they said, no. He says, well, put the net on the other side. Put it on the right-hand side. And, and you know what? <laughs> they, they were fishermen, and they knew where they wanted to put their net. They did listen to him. The Bible says they drew up 153 fish. Well, after that was done, uh, they come to shore, and, and, and this man, Jesus, who's standing there, he says, uh, well, it's breakfast time. Let's have some breakfast. And you understand, as you're reading through John chapter 21, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but, but he says, bring some fish, and, and they cook some fish for breakfast, and they eat breakfast. And, and as soon as breakfast is finished, as you continue reading down through the book of John chapter number 21, Jesus and Peter have another conversation. Jesus begins it by saying, Peter, do you love me? Or if you're reading from the Bible, it simply says, Simon, son of John, or son of Jonas, do you love me? Do you love me? And Peter answered him, yes, I do. And Jesus tells him, you know, I want you to feed my little lambs. I want you to tend to them. Then he asked him again, Peter, do you love me? And Peter said, well, yes, I do. And, you know, Jesus tells him again to, to tend the sheep. And, and then Jesus asked him again, says, Peter, do you love me? And the Bible says that at this point, Peter was grieved. Peter was grieved that Jesus would ask him three times, Do you love me? And Jesus again told him to go back to work, to feed the sheep. Now, it's interesting, some have pointed out in, in days gone by that Peter denied Jesus three times, and here Peter confesses Jesus or his love for Jesus three times, and, and it's as though, you know, some seem to make that, that it, it's uh, uh, perhaps making up for it. I think it was a reminder because it may have been on that third time Peter recognized what Jesus had told him on the night before his crucifixion. Peter, you're going to deny me three times, and he did that, and now Jesus has asked him three times, and he, he, he has to say yes. There are a lot of things that, that are in this passage that if we had time tonight that we could, that we could talk about. There's some little subtleties that we may not catch in English when we, when we look at the words, such as the words that's used for, for the sheep, for the little sheep, for the lambs, and so forth. And, and, and the words that, G, that Peter uses when he answers Jesus. And they, there are a lot of things that, that we could talk about in regard to that tonight. But the main thing we want to learn tonight is this. Jesus tells Peter, go back to work. Peter said, I'm going back to work. I'm going fishing. But Jesus didn't want him to go fishing for those 153 fish 
out in the sea, that the different ones that they had pulled up into the boat that night, Jesus wanted him, as he had told them earlier in his ministry, I want you to be a fisher of men. I want you to help build my kingdom. I want you to go out and tend the sheep, the flock of God. And I want you to be very active in that. Now, what did Peter do again not many days after that? What did he do? He's messed up, messed up big time, if you will. And not many days after this encounter with Jesus, what does he do? Well, the day of Pentecost fully comes. And it's Peter who breaks the news of the kingdom. That it's here. That you can be a part of it. That you can be saved from your sins. It's Peter. And Peter had the opportunity not only to preach there in Jerusalem on that day, but Peter, uh, later on, ten years or so later on, he had the opportunity to take the gospel to the Gentiles for the first time in Acts chapter number 10. And so, what if Peter had allowed this mess up, this sin that he committed in denying our Lord, what if he had allowed that to be the only thing that he remembered? Would Peter have been effective in doing what he was able to do, what God wanted him to do? And I think the answer to that would have to be no. But if Peter could be forgiven and could move forward, what's stopping us? What would hold us back from doing the same thing? And so tonight, what we want to do in answering the question, how can I forgive myself, I I want us to think about a few things, four in particular, that, that perhaps will help us in forgiving ourselves. Number one on our list is simply this, we have to own up to our sins. We have to own up to our sins. In other words, you know, we can't suppress them, we can't hold them back. We have to own up to them. We would call it, uh, uh, we have to confess our sins, and the Bible teaches us that. But I want us to go back to the book of, uh, of Psalms in the Old Testament. In Psalm 32, let's look together at verses 1 through 5. Psalm 32, verses 1 through 5. Now the psalmist starts out and he says, Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven. Isn't that the person that we're talking about tonight? But the, but the one who, who, who is having some difficulty with forgiving himself, and so we're talking about one who's forgiven. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me, my strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. I acknowledged my sin to you, I did not cover my iniquity, I said I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. You see, the psalmist says there was a time when I tried to hide it. When I tried to suppress it, when I tried to keep it undercover, under wraps, when I, when I failed to acknowledge my sin, when I failed to own up to it. But then I came to my senses, I guess you might say, and I owned up to it. I confessed it to the Lord. And, and He forgave me. And so we're back to the beginning of that psalm. Happy is the one 
whose transgression is forgiven. Now, I read a different word, but it's the reality of what the word is. Blessed is the one. Happy is the one because his sins are forgiven. You know, I think as he struggled, the psalmist struggled through that, that there may have been some time, a time, I know there was a time because he says my bones are drying up. Uh, he, he is just worrying himself to death over what he has done. But once he confessed it, things got better. We have to acknowledge our sin. In the book of Psalm 51, we have David. After the matter of uh, uh, Bathsheba and all that he went through there. And I won't take time to read those 19 verses. Uh, but as, we, as you look down through Psalm 51, I hope you'll take time to read it. The, the psalmist David there, he, he acknowledges his sin and he, he writes about it. He, he, he uh, acknowledges it in this psalm. And, and again, as you read through that, you will see that when he decided to do that, we remember the story, he knew what he had done and Nathan the prophet, he came to him and, and he told him a little story told him the story about the man who had the one little ewe lamb and, and the other man who had a big flock and the man who had the flock killed the, the ewe lamb to feed to his, na- to his uh, company that came by. And David said, if you'll tell me who it is, I'll, I'll take care of it. Nathan said, it's you. You're the man. As long as David was concealing it, holding it in, not it, owning up to it, there was a problem. But when we... When we see David acknowledging it, and and we take time to read Psalm 51, we see that there is a great, great difference. I think all of us would understand tonight, if we want to forgive ourselves, then we have to be forgiven. We have to have God's forgiveness, and we can't have that until we own up to it. But number two, I want us to think about, if we want to forgive ourselves, we never can doubt God's forgiveness of our sins. Now, turn again with me in the New Testament, 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, beginning. We'll go all the way through chapter 2, verse number 2. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, a passage that you hear hundreds and hundreds of times, a very important passage though. John writes and says, If we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, now, now I, want you to, uh, I, I want you to think about this as we go through it, okay? We're talking about never doubting God's forgiveness. How much of our transgression, how much of our sin does John say that God is willing to forgive if we are willing to confess it? In this passage, he says, I will forgive all of it. He is, he is faithful and just to forgive us of all our transgressions, all of our sins. Now, do you believe that or do you not believe that? Do you believe that God was willing to forgive your sins? We, I'm telling you tonight, we can't doubt God's willingness and God's forgiveness. Keep going there in verse number uh, 10. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. My little children, I don't know how many times I've said this, there are no chapter breaks in the original language, and so we, we have put in the chapter and verse breaks 
But he goes on. John just keeps on writing after he's made those statements. He said, my little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if you do, if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. John says, I want you to understand that if you will acknowledge your sin, what we were talking about in the previous point, if you will acknowledge it before God and, and, and be willing to follow God's plan, God's path, God will forgive us of every single sin we commit. There's not one that's too big for Him to forgive. The question is, do we believe it? If we're struggling with forgiving ourselves, I've got to come to grips with the fact that I've been forgiven by God. And of all the ones who have been offended by our sin, it was God who was most offended. Because God is most holy. Out of every single person, there's no one who comes up, matches up with God's holiness. That's our goal. That's what we're striving for. We don't make it. But it's because of the holiness that God has that sin is such a big deal to Him. And yet God is willing to forgive us. He sent His Son, Jesus, to die for us that that might happen. We have that propitiation. We have that forgiveness from God. But when we're thinking about the forgiveness of God, what does God do with our sins? Now, I have a whole lesson that I preach on this, and I've preached it here. I just want to mention five things that we find from the pages of the Old Testament that God does with our sins when He forgives them. Number one, according to the book of Isaiah, chapter 43, at verse 25, He blots them out. He, he spots them out on the paper, blots them out. According to Isaiah, chapter 38, verse 17, He casts them behind His back. According to the book of Psalm 103 at verse number 12, he removes them as far away as possible. As far as the east is from the west, he says, that's how far he removes our sins. Micah chapter 7 verse 19, the Bible says he cast them into the depths of the sea. And in Jeremiah 31 verse 34, the Bible says he remembers them no more. What does God do with our sins? He gets rid of them. He gets them out of his sight. They're behind his back. He buries them in the deepest place on the face of the earth, in the, in the depths of the sea. And he doesn't bring them up again. And yet many people struggle with forgiving themselves because they just keep bringing them up. They let it be in the forefront of their mind. If we want to forgive ourselves, we're going to have to give God some credit. Never doubt His willingness to forgive our sins. Number three, if we want to forgive ourselves, then we're going to have to stop trying to repay debts that have already been paid. We're going to have to stop doing that. Matthew chapter 6, verses 12 through 15, in the midst of what's been called the Lord's Prayer, but really it's a model prayer. He's teaching His disciples how to pray. We'll jump right in the middle of it where it says, and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. Well, who are you talking about, Jesus? 
the ones who are our debtors. He goes on in this passage, and he talks about leading us not into temptation, but delivering us from evil. He's explaining somewhat even within his prayer about the debts and the debtors. For if we forgive others their trespasses, your Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. The point I want to make is this. We understand sin is as a debt that we owe to God. But, but Jesus in this model prayer says, Teach us, Lord. Help us, Lord. To forgive the debts of others as we have had our debts canceled out. Had our debts forgiven by God. Again, if we go to Luke's account of, uh, of Jesus' model prayer, he doesn't record Jesus as saying, forgive us our debts. He just comes right out and says, forgive us of our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And so that is the idea. But sometimes... We take the sin that we have and keep trying to pay the debt with it. Look at Ephesians chapter 1 at verse number 7. There's a word there that I want you to pay close attention to. The Bible says, In Him, that is in Christ, we have redemption from our sins. Through His blood, according to the riches of His grace. What does that word redemption mean? That word redemption, as we're using it at this point, and as, Jesus, or as God used it here in Ephesians chapter 1 at verse 7, means simply liberation procured by the payment of a ransom. Basically, the debt's been paid off. And Jesus, of course, paid that on the cross. Do you remember the song that we sometimes sing? He paid a debt. He did not owe. I owed a debt I could not pay. I needed someone to wash my sins away. And now I sing a brand new song, Amazing Grace. Christ Jesus paid the debt that I could never pay. But if we're having a hard time forgiving ourselves, we're, we're bringing up that debt again, even though it's paid off. You don't have to raise your hand. How many have ever bought a car and had it financed and kept it long enough to pay it off? Now, you know what happens after you pay it off, don't you? The month after you pay it off, uh, it tears up. That's what happens to it, you know, so you've got to go back and do it again. I think there's some kind of built-in chip or something on them now that as soon as they get paid off, you know, something's going to happen to it. It's just time that way. No matter if you pay it off in 12 months or 72 months, that's the way it's going to work. Okay. Now, we're not talking about that. Maybe you bought a house and you got your house financed for 15, 30 years, and, and you labored those 15 or those 30 years, and you paid that house off. You got the title to your car, you got the deed to your house, that grass feels good outside under your feet, much better, you know, because you got it paid off. If you did that, how many of you just kept sending payments for the car after you paid it off? You just said, well, yeah, I got it paid, I know, but, but, but I'm just going to keep writing the checks anyway. Or keep sending in that house payment. How, how, how many do that? You say, preacher, you've lost your mind. Ain't nobody going to do it. How many just keep calling up the bank 
and asking over and over. I mean, you call every day, every other day, every week. Are you sure I don't owe some more? Are you really certain that I got it paid off? How many people do that? Preacher, you're crazy if you think somebody would do that. Well, that's what they're doing. That's what we're doing if we're failing to forgive ourselves. We keep bringing it up, trying to put more payments on it, even though the debt has already been paid. We've already been ransomed by Jesus' blood, and we have asked His forgiveness. We've been, had our sins washed away in His blood by baptism. And we just keep saying over and over again, well, how much more do I owe? How much more? How much more? Are you sure I don't owe some more? You see, we have to stop trying to repay the debts that have already been paid. And then finally tonight, stop defining yourself by your worst moment. Stop defining yourself by your worst moment. Now this is a, maybe a four or five verse passage, but I want to read it. Turn to the book of 1 Timothy chapter 1. Verses 12 through 16 with me. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 12 through 16. The Bible says, Paul writing, I thank Him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because He judged me faithful, appointing me to His service, though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, and insolent opponent. But I received mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief, and the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance, that Jesus Christ came to the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. But I received mercy for this reason, that in me, as the, for, uh, the foremost, Jesus Christ might display His perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in Him for eternal life. Do you think Paul ever thought about his past life and all that he had done standing there that day as Stephen was stoned to death? Those times when he went into those Christians' houses and arrested them, dragging them out of their own house? Think Paul ever thought about that? Probably did. He even mentioned it here. And it may well have been that Paul kept it on his mind and he struggled with what he had done, but he did not allow that to define him. Now I'm going to go through a series of verses here and I want you to see how Paul defines himself over and over and over again. Romans 1, verse 1, Paul, the servant of Jesus, of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 1, Paul, called by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 1, verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. Galatians 1, verse 1, Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father. 
Ephesians chapter 1, verse number 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God. Colossians 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by command of God. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. And Titus chapter 1 at verse 1, Paul, a servant of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth, which accords with godliness. How does Paul identify himself? How does Paul define himself? Nine times I just read to you, Paul says, I'm an apostle, I'm a servant of God. I'm, a, I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ. An apostle is not just, a, uh, not just an ambassador, you know, bringing goodwill between two countries or whatever. An apostle was one who was sent with a message. Paul said, I got a message. I got a message from Jesus Christ. A message of salvation. A message of good news. How many times does Paul mention... The sinfulness that he had in his past life. Well, we read one of them, we remember it, and we bring it up pretty often. And we know that, that he is mentioned in the book of Luke, I mean in the book of Acts, and Luke talks about him, but that's Luke talking about him, that's not Paul bringing it up. One time, we have the Apostle Paul... Paul talks about his past life and how he excelled among the Jews. Paul brings it up. He acknowledges it. He knows it was wrong. He may even have thought about it pretty often and regretted it every day. But he defined himself as one who spoke for the Lord. One who brought the message of God delivered from heaven and he spread it throughout the world. What we do when we fail to forgive ourselves is that we take that 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 Stephen moment. When we're standing there and we're watching this man perhaps even applauding and, and cheering them on as they throw rocks and at a man until his skull is crushed. And we say, that's who I am. I'm that person. And I'll always be that person, and I can't be anything other than that person. And that's not what Paul did. If Paul called himself the chiefest or the foremost of sinners, and Paul could move on, and do great work for God, even after that, having been forgiven by God, what we've talked about tonight, so can we. So can we. And so we have to let those, those failures that we have in our life be in our past. And not hold on to them, but move forward and do good and do right every day of our life. Of course, tonight as we 
consider forgiving ourselves, the first step would be in, in uh, anyone is uh, getting right with God. We know that we would have to do that. The plan of salvation that God has laid out in His Word is simply this, that we are to hear the great message of the gospel. We are to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. We are to repent of the sins that we have in our life. We're to make the great confession that we believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And we are to be baptized, immersed for the remission of our sins. Letting not the water, but the blood of Jesus Christ. As we're buried with Him, according to the book of Romans chapter 6, wash our sins away. There may be something that one or more would need to do before that. A part of getting right with God is getting right with others. If we've wronged another, then we must go and get those things straightened out. Matthew chapter 5, verses 23 and 24. So if you're offering your gift at the altar and there, remember that your brother has something against you. Leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Maybe that we'd need to do that. But when we have done those things, we have a right to forgive ourselves and move forward. It may be tonight that you need God's forgiveness. If that is the case and we can assist you in any way, why don't you come right now as we stand and as we sing.